Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives. I do want to let you know about uh, some of our other podcasts. My focus uh, this week will be on the Amazing World of Radio. Over at the Amazing World of Radio, we've done uh, quite a few uh, different uh, mini-series over the 150-plus episodes from uh, this past year's Alice in Wonderland series. Uh, to our, uh, going all the way back to our original, uh, kind of potpourri miniseries we did several years back to summers featuring uh, Humphrey Bogart and Angela Lansbury. Just a wide variety of different programs. Uh, and you can check them all out at amazing.greatdetectives.net. Uh, and we're going to start posting new episodes uh, coming up around uh, Memorial Day. So check it out, amazing.greatdetectives.net. Uh, and then we have uh, the Old Time Radio Superman Show over at otrsuperman.com. And then the War, our World War II podcast uh, at thewar.greatdetectives.net. And then there's the video version of this podcast, videotheater.greatdetectives.net, where we post two public domain uh, television shows or movies each month. So check that out over at videotheater.greatdetectives.net. Well, now it's time for today's episode of The Fat Man. The original air date, March the 31st, 1955. And the title is Murder Makes a Black Moon. There he goes into that drugstore. He's stepping on the scales. Weight, 239 pounds. Fortune, danger. Who is it? The Fat Man. Here's the fat man in Murder Makes a Black Moon. There are a lot of places in the Midwest like Boone City. 20 to 30,000 people, one or two good industries, and a country club set. I don't as a rule take jobs so far away from home, but the letter had been pleading, almost frantic. Please, Mr. Runyon, please, please come at once. If anyone can help Tommy, it's you. There was a check and a promise of more, and it was signed Lucy Nelson. It took a shoe shine, a haircut, and an across-the-counter lunch to find out that Lucy Nelson lived with an aunt and uncle. The uncle, Frank Livingston, was the local big shot. He came from the oldest and richest family in town, and he owned the eldest and most expensive house. When I got there, a girl opened the door. She wasn't exactly beautiful, now that you go by Hollywood standards. But there wasn't anything wrong with her either. There was something clean and fresh about her. 
It made me think of burning leaves and football games. Her brown eyes were troubled. And her hands kept folding and unfolding nervously before she spoke. Mr. Runyon? Yes. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. Come in. Uncle Frank and Aunt Muriel are waiting in the living room. I'm Lucy Nelson, Mr. Runyon. I'm engaged to Tommy Barnes, the boy I told you about in the letter. We're going to be married this time next week, and then this terrible thing happened. Lucy, was it? Yes, Aunt Muriel, it's Mr. Runyon. Come in, Runyon. Come in. My aunt and uncle, Mr. Runyon. How do you do? How do you do? It was good of you to come, Mr. Runyon. Poor Lucy, she's been half crazy. I do hope you can do something to help. Sit down, Runyon. Thanks. It was a long trip for you. I hope it won't be a waste of your time, but as Mrs. Livingston says, if there's any possible chance, we don't want to overlook it. I know Tommy is innocent, Mr. Runyon. He just couldn't murder anybody. That's why I insisted on writing to you. You didn't say much in your letter, Miss Nelson. Tell me about this girl who was murdered. I think you said she was an actress. Not exactly an actress. She was in the chorus, a showgirl. I didn't know her. In fact, I'd never even seen her. And I didn't know she was in Boone City until she was found murdered in a hotel room. When was that? It was just six days ago. A maid found her body in room 755 at the Boone House. That's the biggest hotel in town. How was she killed? She was shot. Anybody hear the gun? No. The police say it must have happened late at night. This boy, Tommy Barnes, why was he arrested? That's a terrible part. They didn't actually have any evidence, but... Well, you see, Tommy had known her. Her name was Angela Keene. Was she a native of Boone City? No. Tommy met her in New York and fell in love with her. At the time, he wrote me that our, our engagement was off. Later, he came home to Boone City and got a job. Seemed to have forgotten all about her. I see. Maybe you think I'm crazy, Mr. Runyon, but I loved him. So I took him back and, and we decided to get married. And this horrible thing happened. Didn't Tommy have an alibi? No, Mr. Runyon. And to make it worse, the police proved that Angela telephoned Tommy. They also proved that he met her during the afternoon before she was killed. Did he deny meeting the girl? No. He said she called him to say hello and ask him to come down and have a drink for old time's sake. He said he left her at a quarter to six and didn't see her again. Didn't he know why she was coming here? He said that she told him she was just passing through and had stopped for the night. She was driving a car then? Yes, it was almost brand new, a beautiful car. Showgirls don't usually drive big, expensive cars. Of course they don't. And that story about just passing through... Tommy had known her, had been engaged to her, broken it up. No, it just doesn't make sense any other way. I like Tommy Runyon. I've known him all his life, but uh, it does look bad. But he didn't kill her. He, he couldn't. Mr. Runyon, I'm sure there must be... Now, now, Lucy, you must try and control yourself. We're doing everything we can. I've got the best lawyer in town for the boy, but... He told me quite frankly that he didn't think Tommy had a chance. He's innocent. I know he is. Oh, Mr. Runyon, you can help, can't you? I'll do the best I can, but from what I've heard so far, it looks like the boy's in a tough spot. However, I'll get to work on it. And in case you want me, I'll be at the same hotel the murder occurred in. The Boone House. <laughs> Here, Mr. Room 750. 
Oh, it's unlocked. Guess the maid's inside. Yeah. Hi, Mom. Hello, Joey. Just put the bag over there. You didn't come home last night, Joey. Where were I you? I forget it. My mom's a maid here. She thinks I'm still a kid. He's only 19. Joey, why did you... Don't pay no attention to her. Listen, Mom, this man's not interested in your troubles. Oh, I'm sorry. I just want... Here you are, son. Thanks. If you need anything, just call it to Joey. I'll remember. I'm sorry I spoke like that, mister, but I was worried about him. That's all right. Kids that age are apt to get cocky. He's a good boy, and it's just recently he's been acting this way. I, I think the money he makes goes to his head. Bell boys don't make much money. No, but he gambles a lot, and he's been awful lucky. I found three brand new hundred-dollar bills in his shirt pocket the other night. New hundred-dollar bills don't usually come from bellboy poker games. Oh, don't worry about him. He looks like a nice kid. I'll have a little talk with him the next time he comes up. Thank you, mister. Understand you had a little excitement here last week. Yes. About the murder? Yeah. Oh, it was terrible. I found her in a room when I went in to clean. It was that room right across the hall, 755. Funny nobody heard the shots. Well, Joey says there was a drunken party going on in one of the rooms on this floor, making an awful lot of noise. Joey was on duty that night. Yes. The police did a lot of questioning, but nobody heard a thing. Anyway, they got the man that did it. She was such a pretty girl, too. So I heard. I'm talking my head off, and I've got work to do. You you won't forget to speak to Joey. I won't forget. Thank you, mister. Hello. This is Mr. Runyon in room 750. There's a bellboy down there named Joey. Will you send him up here right away? Got the right boy, mister. What can I do for you? Sit down. Sit down? I want to talk to you. What kind of... Oh, I get it. The old lady's been talking to you. Well, listen, she's nuts. She's getting old and screwed. I don't think so. Go on, sit down. Look, I ain't a kid. I work here and I got no time to be sitting around listening to lectures. If you want something, speak up or else I'm leaving. I want something, all right. I want to know where you got the money. What money? The brand new hundred dollar bills. She told you that. Why, that knows that. That is no way to talk about your mother. Now sit down. Get your hands up. Why do you think you're here? Now, where did you get the money? That's my business. The FBI might think it's their business. The FBI? What are you talking about? The murder in room 755. Remember it? Sure, I remember it. It was a local job. The FBI don't meddle in local jobs. Oh, you're a sap, Joey. The girl came from New York, didn't she? Yeah, but... New York's not in this state, is it? You mean that makes it federal? What do you think? Look, I'm trying to give you a break. Now, where did you get the money? I won it. Gambling. You didn't win that money gambling. Joey, don't you know that bills are numbered? Listen, uh, are you a G-man? I told you I'm trying to give you a break. The FBI doesn't think you killed the girl. Me kill her? Of course I didn't. Well, I caught the guy, Tommy Barnes. The FBI doesn't think he killed her either. They do think somebody was paid off with new bills to keep quiet. Somebody who saw something. Nobody saw nothing. Nobody heard nothing. I think you did, Joey. No, I... I tell you, I didn't hear nothing. But you saw something. But it wasn't anything. It couldn't have been. Who paid you off, Joey? 
Look, I... I don't know where the dough came from. It, it was in the pocket of my uniform, and, and there was a note. What did the note say? Well, it just said you didn't see anybody the night of October 1st. That was the night the dame was killed. But you did see somebody. L- listen, you've got to help me, mister. I, I mean, if the FBI... Well, well, it couldn't have nothing to do with the killing because... Well, they got the goods in that guy, Tommy Barnes. You know, I, I think whoever it was just didn't want to get mixed up in it. Let me worry about that. What did you see? I, well, it, it must have been about... 2 a.m. There was a party going on in one of the rooms on this floor. I brought out some liquor. Just as I got out of the elevator, I I seen somebody running down the hall and through the door to the stairs. Did you recognize who it was? No, I I, I couldn't see nothing but the back. What did he look like? Well, I, I couldn't tell much. But it wasn't a man. It was a woman. What is it, Mr. Runyon? Have you learned something? Yes, Miss Nelson. It might be important or it might not mean anything. Where's your uncle? Just a second, I'll call him. Uncle Frank? Yes, Lucy? It's Mr. Runyon. Could you come downstairs? Just a minute. What have you found out? Where were you, Miss Nelson, at the time of the murder? Well, I was here at home in bed. Could you prove it? Prove it? I don't know. I was in my room. What do you mean? I mean that somebody saw a woman running down the hall of the seventh floor of the hotel at about the time of the murder. But you don't think that... It could have been you. I, but... Oh, why, that's absurd. I was here at home asleep. Uh, What is it, Runyon? You've made some progress? I think so. I found a witness who saw a woman running away from the murder room. A a woman? But I... I don't understand. Why didn't this witness come forward when Tommy was arrested? Somebody bribed him to keep quiet. Who? He said he didn't know where the money came from. But I think he was lying. Who was the witness? A bellboy in the hotel. Didn't he recognize the woman? He said he didn't. But I've got a hunch he'll be able to identify her if he sees her again. I stopped in front of 755, the room where Angela Keene had been murdered. I stood there a minute listening. No sound came from inside, so I took out a ring of pass keys, found one that fitted, and went in. It was an ordinary hotel room of the better class type. Two single beds, a dresser, closet, and modern bathroom. There was nothing to show that a murder had been committed. Unless you wanted to call the brand new carpet significant. I ran my finger along the top of the dresser and came away with a thin layer of dust on it. The room hadn't been cleaned in several days, probably not since the day after the murder when the new rug had been put in. Something might have been overlooked. I dropped to my knees to look under the dresser. And then I heard the doorknob turning. The light switch was across the room and my gun was in my suitcase in room 750. I got slowly to my feet as the door swung open. A man stood in the doorway. He was medium in height, but slim. His eyes were slits under the low brim of his hat. 
closed the door with his feet. And came slowly towards me, moving on the balls of his feet like a boxer. In his right hand was an army forty-five. Looking for something, fat man? Uh-huh. A murderer. <laughs> All the murderers in this town are in jail. I don't think so. This isn't a healthy climate for thinking. I'm giving you a break, fat man. Who hired you? A client. Okay, play it wise, Flatfoot. You're fooling with dynamite. Meaning you? If I were you, I wouldn't stay long enough to find out. No kidding. What if I do? I don't think you will, but just in case... Maybe that'll help you make up your mind. Next time it won't be a fist, it'll be the gun. There's a train leaving for New York at 10 o'clock in the morning. Get on it, fat man, and forget you ever heard of this town. I had a visitor last night. Visitor? Somebody with a gun and a good left hook. Drive to number 410 Foster Street. But this man last night, did he... A tough boy. Took a crack at me and told me to get out of town on the 10 o'clock train this morning. I don't understand. Why would... That's the easy answer. Your boyfriend didn't murder Angela Keene. But somebody is pretty anxious to pin it onto him. Do you know who the man was? I'm a stranger in town, sweetheart. I mean, did you see... Well, what did he look like? Dark complexion, about five foot ten, slim. His hook isn't as good as it was ten years ago, but he still knows how. He's in his late thirties, and I think he was a pro boxer at one time. Brass. What? He must have been Luke Brass. Who's Luke Brass? He's a local racketeer. Everybody knows him, and nobody does anything about him. Seems to have a hand in everything. He was a boxer once. Good one, too. You're telling me. But why would he threaten you? Unless he killed Angela King. Do you think... Maybe. But if Luke threatens you, he means it. Oh, he's dangerous. Look, it, it's only nine o'clock. You can catch that train. I thought you wanted me to prove your boyfriend's innocence. Of course I do. But don't you see that there really isn't any need for you to stay now anyway? When Uncle Livingston told me this morning that the FBI was interested... I felt that they would clear it up. I see. Just the same, Miss Nelson. I think I'll stay. Is this Foster Street? Yes. Where are we going? To call on a bellboy named Joey. I want to see if he can identify the woman he saw running down the hotel hall the night Angela Keene was murdered. Yes. Why, Mr. Runyon. That's right, and this is Miss Nelson. Oh, how do you do? Oh. I, I didn't mean for you to go to all this trouble to speak to Joey. I thought you'd see him at the hotel. I did see him at the hotel. I want to see him again. Is he here? Why, yes, but he's asleep. I'm afraid I'll have to ask you to wake Joey up. But he gets mad if I disturb him. Then I'll wake him. What's wrong? Joey hasn't done anything, has he? I mean... Ah, don't you worry. Just show me where his room is. It's the last one on the left at the end of the hall. Come on, Miss Nelson. You tell him I warned you he was sleeping. I I don't... I'll tell him. Mr. Runyon, I'm frightened. Look, Bryce, remember what he said about that train. Look, uh, why don't you... let's talk to Joey. Uh, here's his room. Joey. 
Is he there? Yeah, he's here. Joey. Joey, wake up. What is it? Stay out there. Why? What's wrong? Wendy. Somebody climbed in this window and killed Joey. You should have taken that train, Mr. Runyon. It's too late now. But the police, you could have asked them for protection. You, you could have told them that you were threatened. I know what I'm doing. The police don't think there's any connection between the bellboy's murder and the murdered girl, Angela Keene. When the kid's mother gets through babbling about his gambling, the police will be sure he was killed over a bad debt. What are you going to do? I'm going to get out at the next corner and send you home. No, I'm not going to leave you alone. I got you into this, and if you insist on going ahead, I'm staying with you. You're going to do as I tell you. There have been two murders already. Whoever's behind this business isn't kidding. I'll be better off without you around, and so will you. Now, pull over and let me out. All right. Well, I hope you know what you're doing. I do. Drive back home and stay there. Oh, and by the way, tell your uncle to stick around, too. I may need all the local influence I can get in a little while. Keep walking straight towards that car, fat man, the one with the open door. Hello, Brad. You're driving, fat man. Get in. Suppose I don't feel like riding. This is a gun in my pocket, Runyon. We're going to a nice, quiet spot out in the country. Now keep your hands behind your back and walk down towards the creek. This is a sucker play, Brass. Yeah, and you're the sucker. I gave you a break, fat man. You should have gotten on that train. I haven't forgotten what you gave me. Did you kill that bellboy? You want to know too much, fat man. Can I help it if I'm inquisitive? That's a big mistake in this town. Who killed the chorus girl, Brass? Who are you covering for? It's not the Nelson girl, is it? Okay, that's far enough. Turn around. I didn't think it was the girl. You're a sap, Brass. Don't you see what he's doing? He? Sure, don't you get it? What are you talking about? <laughs> He's going to make you the fall guy. Not this baby. That's why you're taking the long count. Nobody's throwing me to the FBI. Oh, I told you you were a sap brass. That's a gag. The FBI isn't interested in this business. You're lying. Use your head. The girl was from out of the state. So what? That's not a federal offense, is it? Yeah, but... Don't you, you see now why he told you the FBI was in it? He knew you'd kill the bellboy and me. Then he could throw you to the cops for everything. Wait a minute. How do I know you're not lying? Let's go see him. Yeah. Yeah, let's go see him. Maybe that's a good idea. Maybe if he's that kind of a radical... <coughs> Why, you... A little judo, Brass! <coughs> uh, nice gun, Brass. I'll keep it to replace the one of mine you threw away back there. Listen, Ryan, give me a break. I gave you one. Sure, I'll give you a break. The boss lied to me about the FBI. He didn't know he was lying. What do you mean? That's how I knew he was behind it. I told the bellboy that stuff about the FBI. The boy got scared and told Livingston. He paid off the bellboy, didn't he? Yeah, 
Livingston got scared, too. If he'd used his head, he'd have known the FBI wouldn't be interested. So he got you to kill the boy. He must have had something on you. Uh, it was an old bank job that the federal boys were still interested in. He's been holding it over me for years. I knew that if the FBI came prowling around about this other business, they might stumble on something, so I, I did what he wanted. The FBI was never interested in the murder of Angela Keene. When Livingston told his niece this morning that the FBI were in it, I knew he must have talked to the bellboy. You said you'd give me a break, Runyon. Yeah, I'm putting this gun in my pocket. What are you talking about? I don't like to get hit without hitting back. Okay, fat man. <laughs> Maybe you're the one who's a sap after all. No, just a sucker for a left hook when I'm not expecting you're it. You're telling me. <laughs> you're good, look. You're fast. But you haven't got the steam anymore. You like that one? That's the 239 pounds. Why don't you say something, Luke? I'll say something, you beat me. Not that way. This way, Luke. Oh, you've got a tough jaw, Luke. I'll bet you were pretty good ten years ago. Now, come on, baby. We're going to take another ride. This time to the police station. Runyon, what happened? I had a little trouble getting here. Mr. Livingston, it seems some people had other plans for me. I don't understand. Luke Brass. He's in jail, Livingston. It's all over, so you can stop acting. You killed Angela Keene, and I'm taking you in, too. No. No, Runyon, that's not true. I... I didn't kill her. Quit kidding. When you thought the FBI was coming, you forced Brass to kill the bellboy. Yes, but There I... wasn't any FBI. I made that up to make the boy talk. No. No, Let's you... Let's go. No. No, wait, Runyon. I'll tell you the truth. Come in here. Don't try any funny stuff. No. Listen, Runyon. I didn't kill Angela. My wife, Muriel, killed her. Your wife? It's the truth, I swear it. You've got to believe me. It was I who paid off the bellboy, but I didn't kill anyone. Don't you see? The, the boy saw Muriel, my wife, that night. She was the woman? Yes. You see, I, I'd known Angela in New York. I never intended it to be serious, but, well, she had other ideas. She held it over my head, and I gave her a lot of money. And then finally, a week ago, she came to town. She called the house and talked to Muriel. I didn't even know she was in town until they found her dead. Muriel had told her she'd meet her and give her money to go away. Instead, Muriel killed her. She told me after they found Angela. She said a bellboy had seen her leaving. I had to protect her. With my position in Tana, I couldn't afford such a scandal. But you could afford to let an innocent boy go to the chair. No, no, no. I, I wouldn't have let that happen. It's a good story, Livingston, but I don't think it's the truth. I think... Uh, oh, yes, it's the truth, all right, Mr. Runyon. Muriel, put down that gun! must be out of your mind. No, Frank, I've just come to my senses. I heard everything you said. So it was only your position you were worried about. No, Muriel, no. Don't you see? I see what a fool I was and what a no god. Muriel, listen. Don't move either of you. And I thought I loved you. I killed that girl for you. I thought you would protect me. You I better thought give me that gun, Mrs. Livingston. She's crazy, Runyon. She's out of her mind. Muriel, put down that gun. Oh, no, Frank. No, Muriel. Don't. Please, I... Don't you move, Mr. Runyon. 
Senor. That's all right, Lucy. I've just finished a very bad job. But Uncle Frank. Is he dead, Mr. Runyon? You didn't need a second, Chuck. <laughs> Here, Mr. Runyon, take the gun. Well, I'm ready. The police will want to see me, won't they? Yes, I think they will. I'm afraid I'll have to take you too, Miss Nelson. <laughs> I've done nothing. Why would the police want me? The police don't want you. But somebody else does. Don't you want to be there when they let Tommy Barnes out of jail? seems I spend my life in getting into trouble and getting out of it. But at the same time, I generally manage to get some other people in and out of trouble, too. Be seeing you again. So long. Welcome back. And they might have gotten away with it if only someone in this town had any idea what the jurisdiction of the FBI was. Of course, to be fair, a lot of people don't understand how various things uh, function. Uh, you know, in this country, uh, in the 21st century, a majority of people can't name the three branches of government. So something like the FBI in, is interested in a murder case would probably seem pretty plausible. Though I think it's less believable that the uncle would uh, not pick up on it. I do wonder how listeners to this particular program would have heard it, because I think your American uh, crime uh, radio fan would would pick up on it just because we have, you know, so many programs that uh, reference the FBI as well as uh, just general jurisdiction, and we would know that murder is generally not a federal rap, at least not according to most, you know, fictional worlds. And there are things that can bring it in, but somebody who just happened to be from out of state, that wouldn't do it. But this was an American script broadcast in Australia, so I wonder whether the Australian listeners were aware of this uh, jurisdiction of the FBI, or if it was kind of, you know, oh, really? Uh, I did not know that. Well, I do want to go ahead and thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Joe, Patreon supporter since April 2019, currently supporting us at the master detective level of $15 or more per month. Again, thank you so much for your support, Joe. And uh, that will do it for today. If you enjoy this podcast, be sure and rate it wherever you download the podcast. And we also do welcome your reviews. And we will be back uh, tomorrow with The Man Called X. Next Tuesday, another episode of The Fat Man. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. 
From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.